0: Yes, thank you, church. Church, last year we tried this new thing called May Missions Month. And what we discovered it was a great fit for us as a church to be generous. And and many of you have heard our vision statement that we want to um, be a healthy sending movement that carries the hope of Jesus to individuals, communities, and nations. And we realize as we do that last part, carrying the hope of Jesus to nations, that we have to have ministry partners who are doing that because we believe the gospel of Jesus Christ is for everyone. Well, this year we want to continue this new thing we started called May Missions Month. And this year our goal is to raise $50,000 over four different projects. And what these projects are basically two different things. We're going to do Bibles and we're going to do bricks and mortar. So with Bibles, we're going to be uh, going to Thailand. In fact, we'll talk about Thailand in a second here. We have um, trying to get Bibles for pastors. Secondly, on the Solomon Island, Greg is one of our ministry partners. In fact, we'll be hearing from him next weekend. Um, And what he's been doing is translating the scriptures into their language. We'll hear all about that, how we're going to donate for that. Uh, third we'll be, we'll be going, and fourth will be going to uh, Africa, and um, you saw the Maasai tribe there in Tanzania. We'll be helping them again with another project and then another one in Kenya. So four different projects. You'll be hearing about that over the next few weeks, and we'll be rolling each one of those out. But this weekend, we're going to specifically be talking about Thailand. And Grant, while you were away um, in Israel, you actually got some tough news about our ministry partner there in Thailand. Can you just share what happened over there? Yeah, sure.
1: So uh, Laurel and I got to go to Thailand in January. We worked very, very closely with a pastor whose name was Enoch Syracule, and we became very, very close friends because we walked. Uh, When you spend pretty much 24-7 with somebody, you get pretty close. Uh, Nock, which was his nickname, Nock was basically the Moses of Thailand. Um, Thousands of young people came to Christ through his ministry, and he had a passion. He wanted to make sure that pastors had um, a Bible with study notes that they could actually teach from because many of the pastors there are first-generation Christians. They've never, they've never been trained or mentored in that way. Um, so we had an opportunity when we went in January to take money along with us to pay for some of this new, they did the, the Life Application NIV Study Bible, and we got to give away Bible after Bible after Bible, and these young pastors would grab a hold of this Bible. I learned something quick. Uh, you give the Bible to them at the end of the day, not the beginning of the day, because if you give it to them in the beginning of the day, they are so, it's like they were holding a bar of gold. And they would spend all day just flipping through it, learning, and, and, and because they had never had a tool or a resource like that before. Uh, while we were in Israel, we got a phone call. Um, my friend Norm Schultz was there, and uh, he was at a, doing a teaching conference, and Knox started not feeling well. Um, he took him to the hospital. We were in Israel. I'm texting back and forth with Norm. And all of a sudden, I get this text, and all it says is, he's gone. And a massive heart attack, and, uh, and he was gone. And we were shocked, uh, just absolutely blown away. So continue to, to talk back and forth with, with Norm. Uh, Nock was there with Leah, his wife, and uh, then their son Noel arrived a couple of days later. Um, the very last video piece that Nock ever shot was a thank you to Christ the King for the Bibles that you sent. Uh, and I've been watching this all weekend, and every single time I see it, it just kind of... Yeah blows me away. So anyway, uh, I want to introduce Nok to you, but I also want you to have an opportunity um, to see the last video that he ever shot because uh, you guys are on the receiving end of it, so let's watch it together.
2: Hello, my name is Enoch, and I want to say thank you for your partnership and helping us to distribute this Bible into the hand of the pastor who really need it it's so important for them to have the life application Bible in their hand and that they can be able to teach the word of God correctly we have been distributed about 3,000 Bible now and we have another 2,000 that we want to finish the project by this coming July and we are so thankful that for you to be a part of this. And please pray for us that we will have enough resource for another two thousand that we can be able to distribute to the pastor who needed the Bible. Thank you. ช่วยผมสำหรับกันเคลียมเทศนาในระวังสัปดาห์ On behalf of the Thai pastor We want to thank you so much for Christ Church in the United States That the building is vital to the pastor in Thailand Thank you thank you so much
1: Knock had a dream that every pastor would have. I looked at—I have a shelf full of Bibles. He just wanted one for every one of them. And if you if you change a pastor, you change a church. So Knox's dream just became uh, my personal passion, and I don't know how. But we want his legacy dream to be realized so we're gonna do a small piece that's why there's green envelopes in your program and Todd will take it from here
0: yeah so one of the great things about Knox legacy is that he organized and unified an entire nation who wanted to be reached for Christ they got all these pastors together so every denomination you can actually go to a website where he has every church all over Thailand listed out in fact they know who every Christian is in Thailand that's how organized they are his dream, and this is our part, we get to play, we, we believe we need to finish his legacy. We want to get Bibles into the hands of 2,000 more pastors because we believe at that point, as soon as those pastors are, are, have the equipping of the word of God with study notes, it's gonna continue to change the nation of Thailand. Only a very small fraction of the people there know Jesus. And, and their dream was that they could have a nation that would someday know Jesus. So, church, our first part of our, you know, this whole missions month is to give money to Thailand. And so, again, what Grant told you, you have an envelope inside, and we want to to encourage you, this is a a beyond and above giving. I mean, if you just take your tithe check and throw it in there, it's going to give us problems in a different way. We want to encourage you, this is a time for us as a church to be generous and to say, how can we make a difference overseas in a bunch of different ways? Well, this specific way, the first thing we're going to be giving to, and as soon as we give to all this, then we'll go on to the next project, is giving $15,000 for Bibles in Thailand. So that's what we're going to accomplish. Yeah. Awesome. Oh. let shift gears. Yeah, we do have a shift of gear. Uh, yeah. Hey, thank you for sharing. And I know this has been emotional. Um, a dear friend, um, but we also have this incredible opportunity this morning. This is a bit of a gear shift. Uh, moms, happy Mother's Day. Uh, can I? I'm going to ask you to do this and just listen to my instructions stand up and do not sit down. Mothers, will you all stand for a second? Just stand up. Yeah. I. I know every, every time we walk into Mother's Day that there's a, Mom, I know there's mixed feelings within, yeah, I, I just know how that works. I've heard, I've heard the stories, but here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to say thank you, and I'd like to pray a prayer of blessing over you as mothers. So, Moms, you stay standing. The rest of us, we hold out a hand of blessing. If you don't feel comfortable, don't do it, but I just want to encourage, just a hand of blessing, let's pray over these ladies. Lord, Lord Jesus, thank you for the women in this auditorium, for the mothers of CTK. Thank you that you have called them and gifted them to be moms. And, and Lord, there's something so sweet about mothers. They are um, such a, uh, just a blessed reminder of how much you love, how much grace you give, how, how you're kind, how you instruct, um, how patient you can be. Lord, they're also a great picture of long-suffering. Because they love in ways I don't think anybody else does. And I just want to say thank you, Lord, for your creation of motherhood. And Lord, for the mothers who are weary and tired right now, Lord, I ask that you would bless them with rest. For the mothers who are feeling down right now and tired and worn out, Lord, would you give them peace peace. There's a lot of moms here too, Lord, that are full of joy, that are having great relationships with their kids. And Lord, I want to ask that you would continue that joy, that you would continue their relationships, that you would just push them further and faster. And Lord, just keep them bound together under the authority of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I ask that these mothers would be blessed through obedience to you. That by their following the word of God and loving Jesus Christ as Lord, they would give to their families exactly what you intended them to give. So, Lord, bless them. Bless them mightily and give them your strength to continue doing this sacred duty. Lord, we are grateful for mothers. And all God's people said, amen. 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 Thanks, moms.
1: Awesome. Thank you, ladies. So, we're going to start a brand new series today. Let's watch the side screens and uh, get ready. Here we go. combination of uh, grief and jet lag uh, pretty much puts me in a, in a pretty messed up position. So here's the bottom line. I'm just going to warn you, I have no filter today, so put your helmet and your seatbelt on and let's just go for it, okay? Um, yeah. Brand new series called Proverbs. Been waiting to teach this for a while. Proverbs in Hebrew is the word mashal, which means uh, wise-saying. And we're going to learn together. I've heard wise sayings my whole life. Garrett Byman, a good friend of mine, a wise man, said, Grant, never get too far from dirt. That's actually smart. Jim Scobie, my first pastor, said, If you want to be a great pastor, you need two things, thick skin and a soft heart. Charlie Middlebrook once said, Grant, never miss a glorious opportunity to just shut up. <laughs> it's good wisdom. William Fishbook, my grandfather, said, Grant, when you pray... You get on your knees and you pray hard. It's good wisdom. Mother Teresa said, start with the one right in front of you. I don't know who said it, but it's wise. If the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. The Apostle Paul said, be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to become angry. Jesus Christ said, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Solomon said, a word aptly spoken is like an apple of gold in a setting of silver." I just gave you some simple wisdom that applies to a complicated world. I'll tell you something about really good, godly, biblical wisdom. It transcends time and space and fads and culture. It transcends opinion and debate. And the reason we love it so much is because it just plain works. It just plain works. Not all wisdom you hear is godly wisdom. In fact, I would describe modern wisdom this way. Modern wisdom is intelligence and common sense, knowledge principles, and anything else that you want to throw in. But most of what we throw in is our personal opinion. And we all know how that works, right? Because Scripture describes what happens when you think wisdom is predicated on your good opinion. The Bible says that everyone ends up doing what's right in their own eyes, and that's just a recipe for disaster. And if you need an example of that, just walk outside. You'll see it. Modern wisdom is an interesting piece. Because you can't just say it's one piece independent of another. Being intelligent doesn't make you wise. Because I don't know about you, but I've met people who are so smart they're stupid. Anybody else? Right? You can have a ton of knowledge, but without a combination of book smart and street smart, you don't seem to get very far. You can know a hundred scientific principles. But that doesn't mean you have a clue how to calm a baby or or how to run a household. I mean, that's the problem with modern wisdom in our world today is people think it's a formula and you get to throw in whatever variable that you want. So if it's kind of mysterious and nebulous, where do we start? Well, the Bible says this very clearly. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's where it starts. Wisdom doesn't begin with your intelligence. It doesn't begin with your common sense. It doesn't begin with your knowledge. It doesn't begin with your self-created principles or your opinion or anything else that's Yours. I mean, that's the basic point. Wisdom begins with a healthy understanding that God is to be feared. And when I say the word feared, I mean deeply respected. Let me define it for you this way for the sake of this particular series. Wisdom begins with the simple realization that God is God and you're not Him. It's as simple as that. Now, once you have the realization that God is God and you're not, then your heart's ready to be open to God's wisdom. And I would define godly wisdom this way. It's God's principles applied. And that's key, because the Bible says we're not supposed to be just merely hearers of the word. It's not good enough just to hear godly principles. We're supposed to be doers of the word, which means if you're not applying it, it doesn't matter. Then it's just words and Bible trivia. It's got to be applied. So throughout this series... We're going to hear a compilation of wisdom from a guy by the name of Solomon. You need to know this. Not every proverb was written by Solomon or even conceived by Solomon. As with all wise people, Solomon was a compiler of wisdom. And if you have any wisdom in your life, if I have any wisdom in my life, I guarantee you it probably didn't come from us. It came from somebody that was a little bit wiser than us, and they passed on that wisdom to us. I'm a combination of wisdom that my teachers have poured into me. Ian Lawson, Elrie Pullman, Marv Penner, Stephen Bramer, Jim Scobie, Shirley Fishbook. My mom taught me so much. And my mommy, she watches me on the internet. So happy Mother's Day, Mom. I love you. You're awesome. I hope you see this. That was cheesy. It's Mother's Day. It goes together, right? Okay. I mean, she gave me so much unbelievable wisdom. Laurel Fishbook, I mean, she's sitting right over here, one of the wisest human beings I've ever met. And she just pours it out, not only into my kids, but into me as well. We all are a compilation of wisdom. The question is this, through the whole series, what are we going to do about it? Because you can know wisdom, but whether or not you do something about it, that's really the key. Well, one of the beautiful aspects of Solomon's life that we can't ignore is this, he wasn't born wise, he asked for it. He made a request to God that wisdom would be imparted into his life. God gave him an opportunity to ask for anything that he wanted. Solomon picked wisdom. Not wealth, not prestige, not status, not, not a, a corner office with a really nice name placard. Solomon asked for wisdom. So let's take a look at his journey towards that moment. We're barely even going to get an opportunity to get to Proverbs, but we've got to set the stage first. If you got a Bible, an app, or your outline, we're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 3, where God and Solomon actually have this conversation. Now, it gets to a point of wisdom, but it starts off actually really, really twisted. Let me read the Bible to you. Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married his daughter. Let's stop there for a second. That's not wise. That's not wise, because I'll tell you what, the arch enemy of Israel at that time was Egypt. They were enemies before, they were going to be enemies again. I mean, that whole Moses-Exodus-10 plague thing, like that was just, that was Near Eastern history in that particular moment. It was right there. And so here's a guy that's supposed to be wise, and he makes a relational decision. I'm going to marry the daughter of the guy who's in charge of the nation that hates my nation, and by the way, my father-in-law, as the pharaoh of Egypt, he thinks he's God. Like, does anybody else look at that and go, what are you thinking, bro? Like, what are you doing? We learn something quickly. It hits Solomon throughout his lifetime. Solomon is a wise man, but he's got a relational blind spot. Over and over, Solomon loses his mind and his wisdom because of his hormones. Can't control them. He's got a weak spot with the ladies. That's the only way I know how to put it. In fact, the Bible tells us this guy gets married over 700 times. Not once or twice or three or four, not three or four hundred. Seven hundred times. What are you thinking? What are you thinking? And that leads him into deep relational trouble that keeps coming up in Proverbs. And we've also learned something. Maybe you've experienced it. When you're in deep relational trouble, you usually end up in deep spiritual trouble. True? Funny how that works. You know, the reality is this, you can be wise in a lot of different areas, but you can also be an idiot in one or two, and that will probably be your undoing. Now, before you judge him, let me ask you a question. What's your blind spot? We all have one. Maybe you're wise when it comes to business, but your family's a complete train wreck. Maybe you're wise when it comes to the stock market, but as far as investing in your children, it's just like that never happened. All of us may be wise in certain areas, but we also have blind spots. Here's the question. Are we wise enough to acknowledge the blind spot and work on it? That's what we're going to be doing over the next several weeks. Let's keep going. So Solomon marries the daughter of the pharaoh of Egypt. He also marries her for political reasons, because he wants to have a peace treaty. Just for the record, (laughs) that's not smart either. Anytime you get married for the sake of politics, that's probably not going to go well for you. The Bible continues, he brought her to the city of David until he finished building his palace and the temple of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. I was just on that site last week with a group of people from Christ the King. We walked around the wall of Jerusalem that's still there. And I can tell you something about Solomon. The boy could build. I mean, the guy was just an unbelievably wise architect. And the way he orchestrated the country in the old city of Jerusalem, it's phenomenal. But the Bible continues. The people, however, were still sacrificing at the high places because the temple had not yet been built for the name of the Lord. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions given him by his father David. The next word, underline it, circle it, highlight it, put stars on both sides because it's the word that we're going to keep coming back to. He walked according to the instructions given him by his father, except, oh, there it is, except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. Solomon's doing wonderful. His faith life is just doing fantastic, except for this one little issue. He's doing wonderful. He's he's doing his devotions. He's going to Sunday school. He's showing up on Sundays. He's doing fantastic, except for what happens during the rest of the week. See, here's the deal. Solomon wasn't supposed to be offering sacrifices on the high places for two reasons sacrifices were supposed to be offered in the tabernacle because the temple had not yet been built, and offering sacrifices was the job of a priest, not a king. Solomon was a king, not a priest. A part of wisdom is knowing your role, and he stepped outside of it. He was making himself an exception, and that's never wise. What do we learn here? We learn there's always an exception that breaks relationship with God. We all experience it. Love God deeply so much, except for this one little area of my life that I just really struggle with. You know, I've got that small place in my heart where I keep that secret sin Because I think somehow I'm entitled to it, and in that level, I get to do whatever I want. Because after all, I still somehow believe that I'm the king of my own universe. So you're unbelievably godly, but there's that, that little sexual addiction. Well, except for that, I'm doing great. You are righteous, you are a godly person, except for that problem with your mouth that you can't seem to control. You do your devotions. You go through, you check all of the right boxes, except for that gossip issue where you just can't seem to help yourself when it comes to talking about somebody else's business. You're unbelievably generous. Your heart just overflows with passion for other people, except for that false tax return from a couple of years ago. You're a student of the Bible, you know what the Bible says. Except for that one verse that says, I'm supposed to forgive as God forgave me, and I just can't seem to bring myself to forgive that person. You're involved, you're serving. Except for that area of denial that you just can't bring yourself to bring God into. Boy, you're doing great, except for the one area that you refuse to bring under the lordship of Christ, because you believe that when it comes to that portion of God's law, somehow you are the grand exception." And what's the excuse? It's no big deal. It's just a little thing. You just do this little thing on the side. Nobody knows. I'm not hurting anybody except for myself. What's the big deal, Grant? Move on. That's exactly what Solomon thought. The Bible continues, verse 4, "...the king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices." For that was the most important high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. Let's stop there for a second. It doesn't matter how passionate you are about bringing that sacrifice. If it's the wrong sacrifice and violates God's law, it doesn't matter that you bring one or a thousand. It's still wrong. Verse 5, at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God asked, ask for whatever you want me to give you. This blows my mind. Even though Solomon is not acting wise, relationally or financially, I mean, he is a mess. God still comes and, and makes an unbelievable offer to him. Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Let's just stop there for a minute. How would you answer that question? I mean, if God came and said, anything you want honestly, what would your answer be? Wealth? Mm, That's tempting. Controlling interest in the Seattle Seahawks so I can fix the offensive line. That's tempting. Trip around the world? Some of you'd be, you know what I want? I want someone to love me for me, How about those of you who've lost somebody? I'd love to have some, I'd like to have my loved one back for just one day so I could have that one final conversation. How about a miracle for somebody that you love? How about a cure for cancer? I mean, if God laid it on the table, what would you ask for? There's a principle here that Solomon teaches us. Wisdom is a valid request from man to God. Of all the things he could have asked for, he picks wisdom. Listen to his answer. Verse 6, Solomon answered, You've shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You've continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you've made your servant king in place of my father David. Listen to his honesty here. But I'm only a little child and don't know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you've chosen, a great people too numerous to count or number. You know what I love about this? It's so basic. Never underestimate the power of being willing to ask for help. Wise people innately know this. It's okay to ask for help. Solomon knows, I'm a king, but now all of a sudden I have access to the king of kings, so it would seemingly be wise to me that because they're not my people, they're God's people, that if I'm going to lead them, I should probably appeal to heaven and, and make a request. God help me. Anybody else ever prayed that prayer before? God help me. Wise people ask for help. That's why the Bible says the wisdom of many counselors is a good and blessed thing. If you are not willing to ask for help, there's a word for you. Arrogant. Mm. Arrogance. Wise people are willing to admit I am not the wisest person in the room. I'm not even the smartest person in the room. So I'm going to gather the wisdom, compile wisdom from other sources that are going to point me in the right direction. The Bible goes on, so give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? Listen to him. He's saying, I need a discerning heart, God. Help me lead your people. Solomon knew he wasn't God, and I love his request. He wants to know, God, help me to discern between right and wrong. That is an unbelievably wise request in a world, I mean, has anybody else noticed that there's a lot of gray areas in the world today? How do you discern between right and wrong? Now, let's make sure we get this because it's a godly, godly principle. The principle is this, wisdom is the ability to discern God's right and God's wrong. Now, I want you to notice something. It says God's right and God's wrong, not man's right and man's wrong. Because we often like to elevate our opinion, right? It's like, I know what the Bible says, but I have a different opinion. I actually think God kind of missed it. He needs to get with the times. He needs to catch up because after all, the world is changing as if God doesn't know that. So somehow I, I need to get God caught up with what's going on. And so I have now decided that my opinion with regards to what is right or wrong is actually more important than the king of kings. There's another word for that. It's called arrogance. Anytime you elevate your opinion over God's law and principles, you lack wisdom. Why? Because when you elevate your opinion, you've already forgotten the first rule of wisdom, which is God is God and you're not Him. Let's keep going. Verse 10, the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you've asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies... But for discernment and administering justice, I will do what you've asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never be anyone like you, nor will there ever be again. Moreover, I will give you what you've not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. So God says, yes. If you ask for wisdom, my answer is Yes, if you don't get anything else this morning, understand this. If you ask God for wisdom today, His answer is still yes. He wants you to be wise. The question is, are we wise enough to ask for it? And it's amazing to me. Solomon asks for wisdom. He doesn't ask for stuff or wealth or status or power. And God says, yes, I will give you wisdom. And oh, by the way, as an added bonus, you're going to get all the stuff you didn't ask for too. What an amazing benevolent heart God must have, but I want you to understand this. The love of God is unconditional. The blessing of God is very conditional, and it's always based on obedience. That's the principle. Blessing is conditional based on obedience, always. What does that mean? It means this. Don't ask God for blessing if you're not living according to His standard. Don't ask God to bless your relationship if you're screwing around and shacking up. Is that clear enough for everybody? I told you, no filter today, right? (laughs) Don't ask God to bless your business if you're treating your employees like garbage, cutting corners, and taking money under the table. That's a deal God won't make. Let me make it personal for me. Hey, Grant, don't ask God to bless your church when it's not your church in the first place. I don't know if you guys have checked the org chart around here, but the box at the top says Jesus Christ, Christ the King. He's the senior pastor. He's in charge. All the rest of us, we're just working for him. Can I get an amen from somebody? I mean, that's the way it's supposed to be, right? Obey first and then see God's blessing. Now, I promise you, it may not come in the way that you think. Because we have a way in our, me, in, in our Western mentality to think this, the only way God blesses me is with the big screen television. That's a blessing. The only way God blesses me is if I get that car as opposed to that car. That's God's blessing. I promise you, if you obey, you will receive a blessing. It may not come in a monetary way, but how do you put a price tag on love, joy, joy, Peace, patience, gentleness, faithful. How do you put a price tag on that? Okay, we all want to be blessed, so let's make this as practical and as applicable as it can possibly be. It's Mother's Day, and there is a commandment that wraps itself around our celebration of Mother's Day. It's one of the commandments. A commandment is not a polite suggestion that you can take under advisement and do if you want to. A commandment is not something that God comes along and says, Hey, you know what? If you happen to be having a good day, you should probably check this out because something cool might happen to you. It's a commandment. It's an imperative, which basically means God said, Do it. And as a follower or a disciple of Jesus, we're supposed to say, Yes, Dad. You can finish the commandment with me. Honor your Father and Now, some of you are like, Grant, you have no idea what you're asking. (laughs) You don't know my mom. My mom's never been honorable in her whole life, so all bets are off. The word of God says, honor your mother. But she drives me nuts. I don't care. Honor your mother. But she treated me like garbage my whole life. Let's add two of them. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And honor your mother. We just went from preaching to meddling, didn't we? (laughs) Let me talk to those of you who don't believe you have an honorable mom. If the only thing that you can honor her for is the fact that God used her to bring you into this world, to follow Jesus with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to break the generational curses off of your family, start with that and keep moving start right there. Now, on the other hand, if you're blessed with a great mom, which let's just say that the majority of us here are, be wise enough to be grateful today. Be wise enough to thank her for all the sacrifices she made that you never even, you'd never had a clue what she was doing. Be wise enough to pick up the phone or to write the card Or to do what God has actually told you to do because of the incredible impact and wisdom that she's poured into your life. Nobody ever said that a mom was perfect. All we know is she gave it the best shot that she could. And we should be thankful. Because God is our Father and He told us to honor our mother. You all have one. You know that, right? I said that at the 9.30. They seemed surprised. I did not underline... Like you all have a mom, at some point you know take a biology class. That's how it works, right? So none of us are exempt. I want you to know something. It's an important fact. In Scripture, every time wisdom is described, she's described as a lady. Now, those of us that all the guys in the room were no, amen. (laughs) Wisdom is a lady. And the Bible says she actually walks around and knocks on doors, wondering if anyone has the wisdom to invite her inside so that she can teach them how to do life better. In fact, Scripture describes that wisdom is wandering around the streets of, of, of Bellingham, around Whatcom County, saying, is there anybody here that actually desires wisdom to live in a different way? If so, you may just want to open the door and make the request that God already said He would say yes to. God, make us wise. The story of Solomon wraps up. And if you walk in obedience to me, keep my decrees. There's the condition. If you keep my decrees and commands as your, David, your father, did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon awoke and he realized it had been a dream. You know, Solomon was wise enough to make a wise request and his wisdom became legendary. Now, his blind spot became legendary too. Believe me, we're going to unpack that but we're going to soak in his wisdom. I want to give you a practical challenge. 31 days in May, 31 chapters in Proverbs. A chapter a day will help you be wise. Now, some of you are already, you're the form and function people. You're like, but Grant, it's already like the eighth. I've already missed eight days. Therefore, I can't go backwards. I got to catch up because it doesn't work inside of my brain. Start with the ninth, Okay. Just go to chapter 9, tomorrow morning, one chapter a day. A very wise man years ago named Jim Scobie said, Grant, you can't survive a day without the wisdom of Proverbs. So I've had a recycling discipline. At some point during the day, I will crack a chapter of Proverbs because I learned something. Every time I open that book, I'm always wondering, how in the world does Solomon know what I'm dealing with? It's like He's reading my mail, following me around, and He will speak directly to your life. I challenge you to take the challenge. Next weekend, we're going to be, it's the 14th, 15th, we're going to be preaching from Proverbs 14 and 15. Go ahead and read ahead. We're going to make it current for every one of us. And we're going to wrap up today by simply praying that God would make it, we're going to pray the same prayer that Solomon prayed. God, would you make us wise? Keep us to discern between right and wrong. God, keep us on that straight path. Would you stand with me as we pray and wrap up this morning? Father God, I know it's presumptuous for me to pray on anyone's behalf. But I pray for my brothers and sisters and I pray that we would be wise enough to ask you for wisdom. God, every week we make decisions about relationships, finances, jobs, interpersonal conflict. God, we make decisions, and we want to hear what you have to say, because your word says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So God, we say we respect you as the King of Kings, and we ask that you would teach us to be wise. Father, may we have the discipline to open the Word of God one chapter a day and just soak in what it is that you said through Solomon to our hearts because it's so unbelievably applicable. God, I pray for Nock's family. I pray that as this wise man has been taken home, much like Enoch was, I pray that the wisdom that he poured into thousands of college students would now rise to the surface and that the country of Thailand that was so near and dear to his heart would be touched because we're wise enough to be generous. Lord, may his legacy of wisdom affect us. And I thank you that every piece of wisdom that Nock had originated with you. We give you the praise and the honor and the glory as those who come with our hands open, saying, God, give us wisdom. And we pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, Amen.